Well, hello and welcome to another edition of The Painful Truth. I'm Tony Payne coming to you from my office in West Ryde in Sydney. Uh, the grandkids are over today, so just occasionally you might hear a little bit of screaming and shouting and mayhem in the background, but those are the pleasant noises of life in COVID-19 isolation. Uh, thanks too for being back again this week. I've enjoyed having a week off just over the last week or so, and it's great to be back with you, and especially to be talking today about the subject of training. Training's a bit of an old subject of ours. In fact, one of the central claims of the Trellis and the Vine was that Christian ministry is not only about preaching and teaching, it's also founded upon and driven by training. In fact, the chapter in which that argument really was advanced most forcefully has always been the most controversial part of that book. That was chapter eight, which had the controversial or challenging title, Why Sunday Sermons Are Necessary But Not Sufficient. And Cole Marshall and I have often been asked about what we mean by this, what we mean by training and why training is important, how training works, and especially does and can training be realistic in everyday suburban church land? Uh, does training really just mean running more training courses, you know, like two ways to live or something like that. And if that's too simplistic a picture, and of course it is, then what is training exactly? What do we mean by this word? And how is it different from teaching anyway? Well, this week's Painful Truth digs into this topic in a couple of different ways. Firstly, I'm going to play you an excerpt from a recent interview I did with Marty Sweeney. Marty is the director of Matthias Media in the USA, and uh, we've been partners in crime, in ministry, and, and in Matthias Media for many years. And he's recently been doing little chats with me um, via Skype and uh, or Zoom and, in, and recording those. And we recently did one on this topic, on teaching and training. Um, the sound quality, I just have to apologize in advance, is not quite up to, the, to our normal standard. Uh, but it's good enough, I think. And so, first of all, I just want to play you this excerpt from um, our interview, and then I'll come back on for a few concluding thoughts about teaching and training. Today, I want to talk to you about what I've colloquially said is teaching versus training. Let me set this up for you. Yep, what do you mean by that? So, I threw an email out on the Matthias media list and you can get those emails. We put an email out about once a week at matthiasmedia.com or matthiasmedia.com.au. And I, I put an email out saying that reflecting on my now 15 plus years doing ministry, specifically teaching ministry um, in front of a classroom uh, or in a small group and realize that often I just default to content dissemination. And I've kind of shorthand okay. that as teaching. Now, I know that's probably not fair to the word teaching. But what I mean by that is I think I feel like I've got all this in, all content in my head. I've worked hard at developing a structure to deliver it. And I download it. So I'm teaching people. But what I realize is that um, I'm just giving them content. But I'm not training them to be disciple makers or makers uh, getting that content out for others. Um, and what, that's kind of what I mean by training them. Um, there's one thing that just give people content. It's another thing to teach them and train them in a certain way that they are applying that to themselves, but also thinking about their neighbors, their friends, their coworkers, uh, or maybe just to say it this way, um, I'm giving them information, uh, but I'm not teaching them to get that information themselves and to then get it out. 
And so I actually had a lot of feedback and responses to that email, people saying, yeah, yeah, I really get that. Like, I realize that I'm a content disseminator, but I'm not a trainer. <clears throat> but then the, yeah. question, the question comes up is, okay, well, how do I make that shift? So let me just maybe set that stage. And, and do you have any reflections or thoughts on, on what I've said so far? Do you see that difference? Or maybe do you have any better words to describe it? Well, I'll, I'll outline some of the things that I've been digging into um, over the last couple of years and the research I've been doing, particularly into, into one another edifying speech, into the encouraging word ministry of Christians with one another, because it's the same issue. Mm. What's the relationship between the preaching or the content that you receive and uh, benefit from in a, uh, in a context like preaching or in a Sunday school class like teaching? And, it, and as, as you're right, there's no need to sort of quasi-denigrate that by calling it, you know, content dissemination as if it doesn't do anything right. because it does. Yeah. If you teach well, and I, I've sat in one of your classes, Marty, and you do teach well, um, you don't, you're not just kind of blurting out material that just washes over people. If you're doing it well, and it's the same with preaching, you're actually forming and changing their mind. Uh, that you're, you're providing them week by week with a new way to think about the world and themselves and God and everything, the future and their lives. It's, you're forming within, within their mind and heart as those truths, as that content you've disseminated, as it seeps in, as it grasps hold of the structures, it restructures the way that, the way that your hearers think about everything and understand everything. Um, in a sense, that's what teaching and preaching profoundly does. It, it shapes the transformed mind of the disciple to be the mind of Christ, if I can put it that way in the language of 1 Corinthians 2, to, to so understand the gospel and by the Spirit grasp it by hearing the word, hearing it again and again, and by the Spirit kind of binding that word to our understanding and our mind. Uh, we've got a whole new life in our, in, in, in a whole new mind. Um, what, how does Paul put it in 2 Corinthians 5? Um, uh, you know, when, I, in, when I'm in Christ, behold, it's a new creation, and I, and I no longer regard anything According from the, the standpoint of the flesh. Um, I now regard everything from the standpoint of Christ. So that's the wonderful thing that preaching and teaching does, and it's why it's so powerful and wonderful. Uh, but it's interesting that if you... All kind of knowledge um, has these two kind of, well, nearly, nearly all knowledge has these two kind of axes to it. Um, there's that kind of knowledge that shapes and changes your whole mind and way of thinking about the world and reframes it completely. But there's also a kind of a practically immediate knowledge. There's a knowledge of how to actually do that. Um, in, in one sense, if we can come to my second favorite topic after uh, God, Jesus, and the Bible, which is golf. You, you can you can read you can read as many um, golf magazines as you like. I read plenty and watch interminable YouTube videos, and I watch quite a few of those. But it, there comes a point where you have to you need the practical immediacy of actually starting to try to do it. Have someone to point out to you that that's no, no, don't do that. Um, and to learn by doing by having someone next to you to advise you. There's a there's a practical immediacy. And when you're talking about training, that's what you're talking about. You're saying it's not just it's not just my whole the, the mind of my hearers being being changed. It's their behaviour and and action being changed, um, of them grasping that part of what it means to to understand this gospel 
is to want to and long to impart it to others in some sort of way to share this word with others. And if it just stops there with their mind and their understanding and doesn't lead to their their a new way of speaking and living, then it's something's missing. It hasn't got the whole way. Is that does that feel yeah. like what you're also saying? Yep. Yep. I think uh, I've heard. I think Philip Jensen say it. You know, uh, you always know a good Bible leader uh, who says, "I." When you ask him what he teaches, he says, "I don't teach the Bible. I teach people." And yeah, a similar similar thing. You know that the the Bible is the medium here to teach people to live like Christ and to go and make disciples. And, and one of the one of the things that I I sort of came to in my research was that if if you have these two sort of axes of knowledge, um, the the preaching teaching sort of side of things really lives in that zone where it's changing your whole mindset and giving you a whole new framework and completely revolutionizing your understanding. But at the practical immediacy level of actually putting it into practice, of learning, of learning what it means, for example, not to be angry um, or to not let the sun go down on your anger or what it, what it means um, in practice to, to love others and to love your wife and love your children, having someone alongside you who is not at that point trying to shape your whole understanding, but is bringing that understanding to your particular moment and helping you see what it means and reminding you and encouraging you and and urging you to do it and admonishing you when you don't do it. And um, in a different mode of speech, a different mode of relationship is helping you to live that, that truth out by the words they say and by how they encourage and, and are alongside you. That's more the kind of zone that training kind of belongs in, in my in my mind. It's it's a it's a helping people translate their understanding into life and action and speech, and it's often a different mode of education. It is. It's, it's more I'm alongside you, helping you to learn what it means, and encourage and exhort and help you to do that. And I think that's the same, Marty. Whether you're talking about uh, training someone to share the gospel or training someone to pray or to love their husbands or love their wives or love their children or to learn not to be so uh, envious or to learn to change the way they speak, not to speak in a vulgar or unhelpful way, but to speak in a way that gives grace and so on and so forth. In all the different ways that our life is changed and sanctified as we as we come to know Christ and as his spirit works within us, in all those ways, there's a there's another mode of of Call it training, if you wish. That's a perfectly good word that that operates in that zone, if I can put it like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, how would we do it? I mean, what is uh, uh, when I think about the 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 characteristics of someone who's kind of just content, getting content out there. I think of someone who's just trying to get through his or her lecture notes uh, or get through the eight questions in front of him in the study. Um, certainly we care. I've done that before and we care about the people, but it seems like the content is the most important thing to get through. Um, is there a way that we can say let's the content obviously is still really important. It's the truth that transforms, but how do we shift to be more, um, more interested and to foster transformative learning? Are there any even well, very it, much practical tips that we could take away? I think everybody, when we talk about this difference, kind of feels like they get it. But what would be ways that we could identify when we're not doing it and how to shift away or towards doing it? It, it starts with listening. 
So if, if you're wanting to um, just as a just as golf instruction of a practical practically immediate way starts by actually looking at what's going on, what's happening with your flying left elbow when you when you're on the downswing, um, then um, so, so helping someone to actually shift where they are starts with seeing where they are, starts with listening, starts with with having a sufficiently close level of interaction with them in a sufficiently small group and context that you can see where this person is at and where they're up to and what encouragement and help they need to change. Um, and in, in many ways, one of the shifts between the teaching preaching mode of mind formation and the more practically immediate personal mode of helping someone shift and put that into practice in whatever way it might be um, it's a it's a shift sometimes in size and level of interaction. You can teach and form the minds of 500 people at a time if you're a, if you're a gifted teacher and preacher. But if I'm going to help each one of those people actually impl- implement something in their lives, learn how to share, learn how to speak, they're all at different points. They're all at different places. They they all will need different sorts of help. It, it requires a more micro level of interaction and sometimes the problem is simply that we've set up structures to teach which are larger structures where you one person is teaching 50 people at the time or 25 people at a time in a 40 minute time frame or something there's very limited stuff you can do at that more practically immediate training level when that's your context you need time where you're actually in a smaller context with them where you can listen where you can interact where you can find out where people are up to where you can try something and then report back and talk how did that go and and then talk about how it went and why it went and you can discuss particular issues that people have whether it's in their prayer life or in their sharing their gospel or whatever it is in their life that they're changing so at one practical level it's just that we don't take the time and form the structures within our ministries to have that smaller time um, with other people and tragically when we do um form some of those structures which are classically what we call small groups we will use them as another teaching time um, rather than as a real opportunity to do that other necessary thing that has to happen in order for the teaching to become lived and practiced which is more interaction more personal encouragement and exhortation and trial and error and confession and discussion yeah that's a good point i remember when you and i worked on a course training small group leaders it was very much a, a course to get new leaders yeah. trained. Um, but something you said to me stuck with me, and, and this comes back to what practical thing we can take away to, to make the shift is it's a mind shift. And you said this, we're not just as small group leaders, we're not just leading people to the word, we're helping them lead each other mm. to the word. So it makes me as a leader not, I mean, an important role, we believe in leadership very much so, uh, but we're not indispensable. We're trying to train them to help each other so that on their discussions on the way out and their text exchange throughout the week as they see each other at the picnic, uh, they're still doing that work and you're not around. You're not uh, the necessary mediator for that. So I, I found that really helpful, a mind shift to say, lead them to the word, but lead them to lead each other in the word or to the word. Yeah, I think that's helpful. I think there's a lot more to be said, but I think for this time, I think there's some helpful ways to start. And uh, we'll keep thinking about this as we work in our own small group. So thanks for your time, Tony. Yeah, lovely to talk, Mike. Well, that was my conversation with Marty Sweeney about teaching and training. And before we round off today, I'd like to chip in a few extra thoughts that have just occurred to me as I've listened back. 
over to that interview. I think, first of all, I think I just want to say that we do need a way of talking about this ongoing process of learning how our convictions are lived out in daily Christ-like action, whether that is in learning how to pray or to love our families or to share the gospel with someone or to encourage a new believer or whatever it might be. And I think one good English word for that is training. I think that's all training is. It's, it's a way of describing that kind of instruction and learning that needs to take place, the kind of learning that has a more practical edge. Uh, and training is that kind of word. It connotes practice and discipline and correction. It, it's the kind of word where you get into the nuts and bolts of getting things done uh, that contains a, a mix of instruction, but also practice and repetition and character building. And that's the kind of word training is in English. And I think that's why it's a good word to describe this aspect of what it means to help one another grow in Christ. And when I think of that kind of concept of training in the New Testament, the little vignette that immediately comes to mind is of the older women teaching and training the younger women in Titus chapter 2. It's in accordance with the good, healthy doctrine of the gospel. That's how the chapter starts. And Titus is to teach that good and healthy doctrine and the life that is lived in accordance with that. And as part of all that, the older women are to teach what is good, the text says, and so train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. That's in Titus 2, 3 to 5. And it strikes me as one complete sort of package. There's true gospel teaching and doctrine, which results in godly character, and there's practical instruction and outworking in daily life that's part of it as well. And training seems to be a good way of describing that aspect of, of learning Christ that brings the sound doctrine of the gospel into the lived experience of everyday discipleship and love for one another. And in this sense, it also strikes me that training and Christian growth is a bit like medical training. At the end of medical training, the student has not only gained certain skills, but they've become a doctor. They've mastered a whole array of knowledge and a set of mental models and frameworks. They've learned how to apply those in particular situations. They've imbibed a culture of what it means to practice medicine. They've absorbed a whole set of values and practices, uh, and they've also gained practical skills and experience, and they've practiced and refined those over time with colleagues and, and superiors watching and encouraging and instructing and correcting and so on. And I think training is like this. It's a total package of knowledge, but is also of learning to put that knowledge into loving, godly action. And that's why it usually involves an extra or different kind of instruction, the kind of instruction we, we call training. And in that sense, training is for every Christian, I think. And it's not just for leaders or prospective leaders. It's not just, what would you say, the skill acquisition phase for people who are about to undertake a particular ministry. That's important. But it's not all that training is. Training is a more complete package. And in that sense, many churches are already doing this for every Christian in their small groups, if their small groups are running well and have that culture. That's by no means always the case, and I've actually written and spoken about that in an earlier post on The Painful Truth about the different contributions that small groups and Sunday church make 
uh, to Christian growth and discipleship. You can check that out on the website. And one final point, perhaps, and perhaps the sharp point for many of us. Let me ask you this. Is learning to minister the word of God to others, that is to speak the truth in love to others in all sorts of ways, is that a basic aspect of the Christian life? And if it is, then it obviously needs to be the subject of training, just like all facets of Christian living. And are we doing this? Are we training our people? Are we training one another to be speakers and sharers and conversationalists of the word, whether in their home or in their small groups or in one-to-one relationships with others, in conversations after church on Sunday, at work, at our children's bedside? Is this kind of training a regular, normal part of our structure, of our, of our activity in church and ministry life these days? My sense is not so much that we were doing more of this sort of training 20, 25 years ago than we're doing now. And although the way that we were doing it 25 years ago in running particular training courses may need to be refreshed and revised, and we need to rethink how we can train people to minister the word to others, it seems to me that it's a gap, uh, that it's a missing piece in much of our training of Christians in the Christian life. And I'm wondering whether you think the same. Well, let me know what you do think. Always really interested and enjoy getting feedback on these posts by email or on the actual website itself where you can make a comment um, directly after the the post. Um, Please get in touch and let me know what you think, whether this kind of training um, is working and running and happening in your church and where you are, and if not, why, and what perhaps you think we could do about it. Um, Always look forward to hearing from you. If you're not subscribing yet to The Painful Truth, if you haven't signed up to get the email every week, please do so. You can do that at thepainfultruth.substack.com. And that means that in your email each week, you get a notification with the text of the whole text of The Painful Truth, as well as uh, a link you can just click on to listen to it, as you obviously are now. Uh, Thanks for being with me again this week on The Painful Truth. It's been great to be back and talking with you again. I'll be back again next Monday. Look forward to talking with you then. I'm Tony Payne. Bye for now.